You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. The U.S. Senate is ready to vote on Section 702 surveillance reauthorization. There's bipartisan congressional support for an election security bill. SkyGo Free is an unusually capable variety of Android spyware. More evidence ties North Korea's Lazarus Group to a Bitcoin spearfishing campaign. German users are lured by fake Spectre and Meltdown patch sites. Healthcare organizations have been hit with a variety of attacks. And are you thinking of VR adult content? Think twice. No better think thrice. I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, January 17th, 2018. Yesterday, the U.S. Senate voted for cloture on debates surrounding legislation that would reauthorize Section 702 surveillance. This means there will be no filibuster, and the bill will proceed to a floor vote, perhaps as early as today or tomorrow. Section 702 authorities are widely regarded within the U.S. intelligence community as indispensable to modern foreign intelligence collection. Critics regard their surveillance programs as too susceptible to abuse and a potential threat to U.S. citizens' privacy. Senators Wyden and Paul were among a relatively small number of opponents of reauthorization who had threatened a filibuster. Congress is also considering a bipartisan bill that would have the executive specify penalties for election interference. The responses specified would be keyed to specific countries. Kaspersky Lab warns of a new and unusually dangerous strain of Android spyware. They're calling it SkyGo Free, and it's evasive and capable. Among its features are location-based audio recording, interception of WhatsApp messages through Android Accessibility Service, ability to connect victim devices to attacker-controlled Wi-Fi, recording of Skype calls, and a keylogger. Kaspersky thinks SkyGo Free is the work of Italian lawful intercept shop Neg International, in part because they've found the domain h3g.co in the malware's traces. That domain is registered to Neg. The audio recording functionality strikes most of the people covering the discovery as unusually creepy. It essentially turns an Android device into a bug when the device is taken into a specified area determined by the attackers. There have been infections reported, for the most part, in Italy. Kaspersky says the malware spreads via web landing pages that look like legitimate sites belonging to Vodafone and other mobile carriers. The campaign is ongoing, and users should be alert to the possibility of infection. More evidence is out on North Korea's designs on cryptocurrency. Recorded Future has a report on the Lazarus Group's concerted spearfishing campaign, It conducted in late 2017 against South Korean cryptocurrency exchanges and their users. South Korea is an attractive target for obvious political and linguistic reasons. It's also attractive because it has a large number of active cryptocurrency early adopters. 
In addition to theft of Bitcoin, the campaign also prospected South Korean university students interested in international affairs. The campaign's malware used a known exploit, GhostScript, CVE 2017-8291, and went after users of Hancom's Hangul word processor, a widely used Korean language word processor. There are interesting connections between this campaign and earlier ones linked to the Lazarus Group. The malware payload, for example, shared code with Destover, a strain used to hit Sony Pictures in 2014, and early WannaCry victims last year. Both the Sony hack and WannaCry have been widely attributed to North Korean cyber operators. Despite falling Bitcoin prices, off about 40% since their December highs, ordinary criminals as well as sanction-avoiding rogue states are still attracted to it and other alternative currencies. CoinHive is the tool most favored by crypto jackers. With the Winter Olympics less than a month away, there have been reports of increased phishing campaigns, using the games as the focus of their social engineering. Mark Orlando is Chief Technology Officer at Raytheon Cyber, and he joins us with his perspective on these higher-profile phishing attempts. As time goes on and more and more business and logistics support and just really more things are done online, um, we're going to see a rise in these types of social engineering attacks. So, you know, I think it's natural to assume that more individuals and more organizations that are tied to these games will be targeted this year than what we saw with the Rio Olympics. And I would imagine you know, the next games, we're going to see an even wider target set again, as, as more and more of this work and the coordination and the logistics and the communications are done over the internet versus you know, in person or telephone or some of the ways that it might have been done in the past. And, and so what sort of specific recommendations do you have for people to protect themselves? Really what it comes down to is trying to practice good cyber hygiene. These are things like user training and awareness, making sure that anyone who is conducting business or working with other groups, other support elements, other individuals and businesses tied to supporting the games in this case, uh, that they're aware that these threats are out there and that they may be targeted, even if they feel that maybe the information that they have or they're using is not particularly useful to anyone, they can still be a target. So making sure that everyone involved and everyone who's participating is aware of the threats and aware that they may be a target and what to do if they receive an email, for example, that has been unsolicited or looks suspicious in any way or comes from someone they don't know. And then hardening your systems and making sure that whatever information technology, whether it's your laptop or your mobile phone or any network infrastructure you're using is as hardened as it can possibly be to these types of attacks. What we've seen in the security sector is that eventually uh, users will fall victim to these types of attacks. It's just a statistically assured that someone will, will fall victim to these attacks. So understanding that, what precautions have you taken on these devices, you know, laptops, computers, mobile devices, uh, that makes them as resistant as possible should a user click on a malicious link or go to a malicious website or open a malicious attachment. So having those controls in place in addition to making sure that the users are trained and aware of the threat, those are probably the two biggest things that organizations can do to defend themselves. You know, given the story and given the visibility of it, and you know, obviously the games are such a high profile event, you know, multiple countries involved. And so there's, there's that sort of espionage kind of element to it. I think there's a tendency to put a lot of focus on the who and the why, which, which are reasonable questions to ask. 
But it's also important to note that from a defensive standpoint and a cybersecurity standpoint, you know, this is a, a threat that organizations face every single day. So really from a, a defensive perspective, you know, it's, it's really just about focusing on the fundamentals and trying to defend yourself as well as possible, uh, as opposed to focusing so much on, on the who uh, and the why. You know, it's really just understanding that, hey, you may be targeted and you got to take, take those steps to defend yourself, no matter who it is or why. That's Mark Orlando from Raytheon Cyber. Bogus patch sites promising to fix Spectre and Meltdown are up in the wild. They target German users by spoofing the Federal Office for Information Security, the BSI. Instead of patches, Malwarebytes reports, the sites serve up malware loaded in a zip file. Let the buyer beware. Several healthcare organizations have been hit by a variety of attacks, showing the range of threats these attractive targets face. DDoS, data theft, and extortion by ransomware. Latvia's National Health Service was taken down early in the week by a distributed denial-of-service attack. Latvian authorities say it was a deliberate attack, that it was staged through a variety of foreign servers and IP addresses, and that it was probably the work of a foreign government. Which foreign government they think it was hasn't been specified, but it's difficult to avoid thinking of the usual suspect, that big country just to the east. Two attacks have been reported in the United States. One is believed to be unsuccessful. A Mississippi care provider, Singing River Health System, says it parried an attempt by hackers to get into its systems with the apparent intention of stealing patient information. The other attempt was successful, and it was a ransomware attack. Hancock Regional Hospital in Indiana suffered a ransomware attack last week that caused it to take its systems down for remediation. The infestation was sufficiently bothersome, however, that Hancock decided to pay the $55,000 the extortionists demanded just to get them out of their hair. Hancock Regional had backed up its systems, as is a best practice against ransomware, but in this case it wasn't enough. As always, it's better not to be infected in the first place. And finally, not that this would be of direct concern to any of you, but you might be interested on, say, a friend's behalf... There has been a high risk of vulnerability discovered in Sin VR, a virtual reality game that allows player to explore what are described as various adult environments, sort of what we always suspected Commander Riker was up to in the holodeck on Star Trek The Next Generation, like Make It So, number one. Anywho, researchers at Digital Interruption found the flaw in the course of research they were conducting into the security of various adult websites. Research, they stress... The flaw could result in the exposure, embarrassment, and potential blackmail of people who play the games. News that not you, but your friends, perhaps, can use. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Enter Vanta. Vanta gives you one place to centralize and scale your security program, quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for ISO 27001, SOC 2, and more. You can leverage Vanta's market-leading trust management platform to unify risk management and secure the trust of your customers. Plus, use Vanta AI to save time when completing security questionnaires. CyberWire daily listeners can get $1,000 off 
by going to vanta.com slash cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash cyber. In the dynamic world of enterprise security, identity architects and IT leaders face a major challenge. Growth by repeated acquisitions multiplies the complexity of everything. Multiple IDPs, MFA providers, policy engines that all need to coexist. This can lead to fragmented user identities and policies that create security vulnerabilities and add access friction. Strata Identity solves this. Now you can decommission unneeded IDPs and consolidate the ones you'd like to keep without rewriting apps or disrupting users, engineers, and app owners. Plus, Strata's modular architecture makes it easy to integrate with any identity provider without manual maintenance and coding. Join the ranks of cybersecurity leaders using identity orchestration. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your top identity security priorities, and receive a pair of complimentary AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees. Step into a new era of identity management at strata.io slash cyberwire. And I'm pleased to welcome to the show Zulfikar Ramzan. He's the Chief Technology Officer at RSA. They're a Dell Technologies business. He leads the development of RSA's technology strategy, and he's responsible for bringing to market innovations that protect customers from advanced cyber threats. Zulfikar, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, so before we get going on some uh, actual topics here, we always like to take a few minutes and uh, introduce our new partners to our audience. So uh, why don't we uh, begin, uh, how did you get started in cybersecurity? What's your background? Well, interestingly enough, I think I've always been somehow interested in cybersecurity. I began probably about a couple of decades ago. My uh, school at the time had won a competition and got access to a number of, at that time, internet-connected computers, and that was a big deal for us. And what was interesting is that the people maintaining those systems at the time were teachers. So they didn't know much about security, and they were just trying to keep these systems up and running. Mm. But it was really a good fertile ground for somebody interested in cybersecurity because there was an opportunity to understand how these systems worked, how to bypass them, uh, and so on and so forth. And I think around that same time, I read Cliff Stoll's book, The Cuckoo's Egg, which is, I think, uh, a Bible for many people who are in the field today. And the combination of reading The Cuckoo's Egg and getting access to these internet-connected computers sparked an interest and, and love for me in this field, and it's been a fun ride ever since. And you're uh, an MIT grad. You also have a PhD in electrical engineering, and you've got over 50 patents on your name. That's right. I've been very fortunate to work with a lot of really smart people on fun problems and, and being able to work in a field that's growing and, and where innovation is such a big part of, of what you do. It's a real good fertile ground for coming up with new ideas and trying to advance the state of the art. And so there at RSA, uh, what kinds of things take up your time day to day? Well, a number of things. I think I have two parts of my role. I mean, the big part of my role is what I think of the external facing part of the CTO role, which involves going out, talking to customers, meeting with our partners, talking to people like yourself, really thinking about the way that the overall security landscape is trending, what are some of the major trends overall, and how are things evolving in general. And then I take that knowledge and bring it back in-house to figure out what we should be doing in terms of our technology strategy, how should we be looking at different areas, and sometimes it's a mix of both. Sometimes I learn about new technology areas so I can help advise our customers on how they should be thinking about those areas. So topics like artificial intelligence and machine learning, uh, blockchain, which has been very common and popular lately, and so on and so forth. 
All right. Well, uh, Zulfikar, we're certainly excited to have you be part of the show. Welcome. Thank you. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for Cyberwire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Vaughn, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow.